0: Episode 211 of Effect. What Dave doesn't know about writing. I'm Dave. Everything. And <laughs> I'm Matthew. Anything.
1: Uh, and we've got, uh, as usual, a packed episode for you tonight. Lots of news in the world of gaming. Exciting news and also other exciting news. Um, <laughs> and then- Exciting
0: news and exciting news. And then we come to the exciting news and
1: and then we've got the boring bit which is dave talking about uh as i put here in the show notes how to write good um uh yeah. but this is this is effectively as promised in the last episode dave this is your um this is kind of the text from the workshop you did at, at uk games expo um about 4 weeks ago now
0: right yeah exactly yeah cool. i mean I, I left a couple of things out just for because we didn't have time but um Yeah, and also it's um the kind of things we were talking about. Yeah,
1: it's not quite as interactive as that workshop Uh, was, I guess.
0: Well, no, because obviously, when I'm recording a piece on my own, I can't have people ask me questions.
1: No, Um, no,
0: it's a bit difficult that one. So, I uh, mean, I could just
1: interrupt you, um, say two or three times throughout this and ask you questions, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let you talk all the way through.
0: Yeah, because you'd have to do some extra editing, wouldn't you? That would be right pain. Yeah, and that would
1: be a pain in the (laughs) (laughs) arse.
0: Cool.
1: Uh, So uh, shall we crack on, though, with uh, new patrons? Well, no, let's not crack on with new patrons because we don't have any new patrons, but we do have one patron, Peter, for whom this will be the first uh, time he gets to listen to the unedited version that our privileged patrons get. That's the privilege. Pay twice as much, get to listen to an unedited <laughs> podcast.
0: Yes. Uh, so, Peter, thank you, thank you yes. for that. Cheers, Pete. That's good of you, mate. It's uh, yeah, cool. I'll have to be nice to you for a bit longer in our our, our weekly games now, obviously. But um,
1: <laughs> and of course, um, Peter uh, and our other privileged patrons, thank you to all of them, and and for Absolutely. our less privileged patrons, our um, our plebeians and our stationaries. Um, thank you also
0: to all of you, indeed. indeed. Yes, no, Pete, Pete's running a very good campaign of uh Game of Thrones for us at the moment, Song of Ice and Ooh. Fire, which in is the Song l- of
1: Ice and Fire program that um, not program uh, role playing rule yeah, set yeah. that you ran
0: exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're yeah. stumbling over all the same problems that that we did with the rule set because there are quite a few things that are that don't work terribly well, but there's quite a lot in it that does work well as well, and yeah, uh, yeah. He, so we have we've had a very good few sessions so far. It's uh, it's great fun. I'm playing the the younger twin brother of the heir to the house, but I'm the oh
1: excellent. I'm so the swash- you will be killing your brother at some point.
0: Well, actually, I'm very loyal to him, so, but I'm I'm swashbuckling, yeah. and handsome, and I am the poster boy of the house, where he is ah. bookish and not very brave. He's he's cowardly. uh in, oh, in hey. our in our in our backstory, he got kidnapped twice, and I sailed across the. The, the near sea or whatever it's called to to rescue him twice.
1: Oh, so whereabouts is your household?
0: So we are in uh, the riverlands. So we are on the eastern side, of a place called Crag Crab Claw, I think it is, and it's a it's a promontory. So we are not quite on the end of that, but we we now have a, a nice chunk of land uh, from coast to coast on 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 that bit of uh, on that bit of land. Excellent. So the toads love- are our Lord Liege's our legions mm. lords. But oh,
1: the good they are a pushover. You can take over that house, no problem at all.
0: <laughs> we're working on it. I got to say, it's, our, it's a lot of fun.
1: Our, our favourite, my, my favourite thing of our campaign was our household and creating that household and yeah. you know, building, building ourselves into the world of the uh, of the game. And um... oh, God, I what you... was my character called? Salt, wasn't he? Yeah. We decided Marco, that Marco bastards salt. from my neck of the woods were called salt. Yeah. Yeah. Marco Salt. Yeah. He was a bit of a swashbuckler wasn't he?
0: Dornish Dornish pirates. Yeah. Yeah, who were trying to be nobles. That
1: Reformed that, pirates. Reformed worked, pirates.
0: Yeah. That worked really well. I love the backstory of your of your house in that one. And the Yeah. Your house motto was great, which was um, sooner or later you're going to get hurt. <laughs> that <was really> cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like that very much. Yeah, it's a great game. And, there's um, a, there's, a, there's a lot that's brilliant about it and it really actually a lot of it does evoke the Game of Thrones feel. But there are some things in the rules that are really quite clunky, too. But um,
1: and, and I guess if, if you're a bit naval and swashbuckly, then the things that are clunky for you are the same things that are clunky for us, which is
0: no ship rules. No, none whatsoever. And the battle rules don't work terribly well. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, always, we yeah. always had a bit of a struggle with with both of those. But, I mean, we had some good things. I mean, I, I made my own rules, none of which I was ever 100% happy with. But um, it, it did allow us to have some good sessions yeah yeah great fun so yeah thanks a lot pete for supporting us that's really kind of you and um don't kill me on wednesday
1: please 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 (laughs) don't kill him on wednesday because then i'm doing the rest of the show on my own um oh no i'm kill your character i said yeah i get yeah (laughs) sorry um now uh world of gaming yes any nominations any 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 nominations leap out at you because the any nominations came out last Friday, voting will start this coming Friday, as you're listening to this podcast. Even if I'm late editing it, so um, so, what are the things that people should be voting for?
0: Well, I mean, obviously, the first thing they should be voting for is Vers and RPG Mythic Britain and Ireland for Product of the Year, uh, which we both had a hand in, which is lovely. Okay, I don't want to overstate our. Uh, you know, our contribution. I'm not a I'm not a credit whore. Um, well, I am, but I try but I try and rein it in because I, I have a bit of dignity. Um,
1: yes. So. <clears> uh,
0: but yeah, so that's brilliant.
1: RPG Britain and Ireland al- also involved a contribution from Graham Davis, famed, famed writer.
0: Some some little contribution from Graham. Yeah, he might <laughs> yeah, he might have, he might have contributed one thing, you know, like the words um <laughs> and the
1: and most of the ideas <laughs>
0: yeah but we both had a hand in that which is but, yeah so, we did um, we did uh albeit quite a small hand but, quite a um, small
1: hand quite a small yeah. hand in that when we had a larger hand in a product that's up for best adventure and that is there's an rpg seasons of mystery
0: yeah uh, well yes i mean actually in terms of writing um
1: actual words uh, actual word count we probably did uh, more in that book
0: no i think i think you did more than I did in that one, and I probably did more than you did in the core book, the thing. So yes. So in
1: in the but... core book, I I did some character creation and I made some suggestions on playtesting on the adventures. I don't know whether yeah. any of those actually made the cut, though. So um, well, the characters did because he didn't have any stats for one of the characters, but um, or for all the characters in one of the adventures. So so they're mine, as it were.
0: Yeah, and I am. Um... I did a bunch of locations and, uh, you know, verse and ideas and story hooks. So that was cool. Yeah. There was some really nice ones in there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So you did more than on that one.
1: Um, so, uh, so those are two definite ones. Is anything else uh, leap to your eyes out of that long list of nominations?
0: Uh, I haven't examined it in great detail. I did have a quick look through. What else? So Blade Runner
1: is down for best what? cartography. Yep. Yeah. In the yeah and again, that's, that I mean, that's
0: that's nice. I mean, that, that the cartography in Blade Runner is similar to the style that they used in Alien. Um, mm. Particularly in things like um, Destroyer of Worlds where it's very detailed and thorough and complex. But actually, when you look at it, it comes out really well. It gives you a really good feel for it and I think they use the colours differently in Blade Runner, naturally enough. But, they, yeah, they look really good. I like those very much.
1: Uh, it also uh, is up for best layout and design. Blade Runner, yeah. the core book, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to the starter set. Um, well, and while it is very good, as usual, as one might expect, I'm not sure it's the best layout and design that um, Free League have ever done. But um
0: no. What 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 would you what do you think is better?
1: Well, uh, well, I I'm, nothing that can can go in this year. But actually, I love the way that Verson books are laid out.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. Versen. Really love the way I mean, that they're
1: really they're, they're yeah. laid, laid out. Um, Ruins of Simburum Bestiary is up yeah. for Best Monster and Adversary,
0: and yeah, that's cool.
1: Uh, obviously, we know all those monsters. We don't know them with the D&D stats like they will be in there.
0: I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? So the the, the Ruins of Simbarum Beastry is basically the original Beastry, but in 5e rule set With
1: D&D stats, yeah. Um,
0: so, I mean, did the be- um Monster Codex get nominated for similar things previously? Or have they just overlooked it before and now are now making up for their... For their error in not nominating Simbrum before, I know the I'm Co- not Monster Codex. Back. I, I know Monster Codex did get. I'm sure it got nominated for something. So it may well be that that you know they were recognising how good it was, you know, previously yeah. Previously, and now, and now you know the, the Romans of Simbrum version is coming out, and it's similarly good. But um, oh, do I wonder? Oh, I wonder. You know, is there is there a little bit of. Um, the, the 5e publicity effect going on yeah if the yeah, codex didn't, didn't, yes. didn't get suggested because it wasn't widely enough known ruins of and being 5e perhaps getting a bigger splash um is that why it's it, it's come to the attention of the judges or the yeah you know, the Although, nomination panel?
1: i think if anything can be said this year about the you know about the um the nomination list in total, there's a lot of smaller games that are being celebrated here.
0: There are. Um, Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, reaching out, um, Dakuma, for example, from Golden Lasso Games, that's, that's a sort of, uh, card based, tarot card based, um, world and character generation system for your other games, uh, from, from the host of, um, uh, of Happy Jack's RPG So you know mm, Smaller publishers yeah. Getting quite a showing This time Brindlewood Bay For Best Electronic Book Um A lot of other ones Coming out like that Now I'm noticing That um I've just noticed Die this one. For example go, okay. yeah. yeah, go on Go on We'll come back to what you'll notice But yeah, Die yeah, The yeah. RPG Um uh, Based on The comic Die Which is about Role players Falling into a real Fantasy world Um Oh yeah, that yeah. has got best production values, and I've got to say, I've heard a lot of people slagging off the um,
0: production values, uh,
1: the proof, the the proofreading in that book. So I'm not right. quite sure that it qualifies to best production values.
0: Okay. Anyway, what were you going to say? Yeah. Now, as I said, I hadn't noticed that when it come down to best setting, you've got and mm-hmm. RPG, Mythic Britain and Ireland, and you've got three names on there, two of which are me and you. I hadn't seen that before. That our names are actually in the, the nomination lists. Cool. Oh,
1: I, j- 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 bloody hell! <laughs> we better take a picture right. of that one. Best I know. Setting. I should be
0: putting that. I should be putting that on Facebook as, uh, as soon as I finish <laughs> this podcast. But yeah, I hadn't seen that. That's that's very cool. Oh yeah, get in.
1: Well, hold on, I'm losing. Where, where's best setting? Best setting. is it's,
0: uh, it's four from the bottom. Four so from the fourth. bottom, best setting down there. Look at that. There you go. Oh, I hadn't said that. Actually, before.
1: on the Eddie Awards, bloody hell.
0: Screenshotting from-
1: that straight away now.
0: <laughs> cool. How, how cool are we? Well, okay. Well, that is <laughs> cool. That's made my day.
1: Shall we stop the podcast
0: now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen that before. That's genuine, a genuine spot during the yeah. recording of the podcast. But yeah, that's fabulous. I do, I do think it's obviously irritating that your name comes before mine, but, you know, celibate.
1: Yeah, well, you know, seniority, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and alphabetical order, I notice as well.
0: Well, no, thing, is, though, thing, is, though, <laughs> thing is, though, Free League always do about alphabetical order on the Christian name, not the surname. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's not and anyway, because S comes <laughs> it's towards the anyway. No. <laughs>
1: Graham Davis is rightly there in front, having done that most is of the work. True. <laughs> Yeah. work. He, he should be and in, I- like,
0: in 24 font and bold with us, yeah. you know, in terms of, well, and more than, in fact. In terms of <laughs> but um, great. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. Hang on. It might it might make my computer crash, but I am going to take a screenshot of that straight away.
1: <laughs> right. I, well, I'm already posting it, mate. Look at this. <laughs> uh, I'll post it to our Discord first so that um, we can celebrate. Um, not in Romeo Zero. Go us, cool. go us. <laughs> <laughs> ah, right, yeah, uh, any nominated, I, uh, right, uh, yeah, uh, I can't yeah. That, to that say is,
0: yeah, that is great, I mean, now I can say I'm an any nominated freelancer, I might even you be can. a winner, if we win it.
1: Yeah, if we win it, we'll, we'll let we'll let Graham share the glory if we do.
0: <laughs> yes, but still, I can legitimately say I am any award-winning freelancer, because that is true. Yeah. Even though well, no, my it's not true the... yet.
1: Don't get ahead of yourself.
0: Bro. Well, no, no. In the world where it, Verson wins best setting, it's true. Yeah. That's what I mean.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, I noticed yeah. Rivers of London is down for best rules, and that has got yes. a friend of the show, Lloyd Guyane, um, in the list there, so that's cool. Yeah. Um,
0: what are the rules like? Because you've, you've, you've got Rivers of London, haven't you? I have, yes. What, what are the, What's the rule system like? Is, is it deserving well, of it's... best rules as a nomination?
1: So it's Call of Cthulhu. It's 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 the okay. basic role playing rule set, but right, right. I have a lot of problems with the rule set as it is presented in Call of Cthulhu. Um, which obviously you know partly you can understand that you're not meant to be particularly competent at anything, yeah, because you are meant to effectively lose in Call of Cthulhu. So there's lots of skills you spread yourself very thin. I think in, you know, it's also
0: yeah you know it doesn't matter how competent you are, you're going to lose in Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah, exactly, this, exactly. Because so what you're going you up against yeah. is so much more than you are. So,
1: but a a lot, if not all, my problems with basic role playing having too many skills and stuff are addressed mm. very well. Okay. In Rivers of London, I will run a game for us actually at some point because I I have I've only read it, I've not played it through yet. Um, but I've it's it's in my view the best iteration of basic role playing that I've seen. Oh, Except cool. in Pendragon, because it doesn't do some of the stuff that Pendragon does. But um Yeah. Uh, uh, but in terms of uh investigative uh, basic role playing, I think it's um it's great.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I've I've been playing a little bit of Cyberpunk Red with um, one of the guys from our, our Wednesday group has been running it. So we've only done a couple <laughs> of sessions so far. And it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it, getting into my character. But very much feeling the kind of retro vibes of the system uh, where you've got lots of skills and uh, you know I think I haven't played a game you know like a BRP style game where you have lots of skills for just about everything for a long time and it feels the system itself feels really quite clunky Uh, we we did a combat the other day which lasted most of the session which again was a lot of fun but I did find myself thinking there's a lot of dice rolling going on here you know a really lot of dice rolling and i you know i love rolling dice it's great but um even for me it felt quite retro in a there's a bit too much dice rolling kind of way you know and the combats you know you could you could shoot somebody on full auto with an assault rifle from 20 feet away and not kill them easily not kill them you know probably won't mm. kill them so coming from games like you know free league games and, and other games where you you know, we play nowadays which are more dangerous, a bit deadlier. Um yeah. it felt a bit a bit off. Although having said that, none of us scored a crit. So if you if you uh, if you scored a crit, it might be very different. So um as I said, only a couple of sessions in and really enjoying it. And my, my character is a solo called Drago, who apparently uh, the guys all worked out that Drago, if you translate that into English, means precious. So they're all now going around, oh hello precious. Which is very irritating. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good fun. It's good fun. I'm enjoying it very much.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Um I'm just uh being a bit distracted because I'm having a conversation, which we will refer to in the uh latter seconds of this very episode. But coming back to um mm. yep. uh, the world of gaming, I think we've done any nominations now, haven't we, really? Oh, yeah. if we're talking about um we've, we've done Cyberpunk those nominations,
0: Red, mate. Yes, no, that's
1: uh, we'll, cool. we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, uh, Cohors Cthulhu, you tell me, is out. Tell me all about Cohors Cthulhu, Dave.
0: Yeah, so they've uh, this week uh, Modiphius have released the um, starter set. I think it is for Cohort Cthulhu. Uh, Cohors Cthulhu, for those who don't know, is their forthcoming um, new game in their uh, Cthulhu line. So it's it's a follow up. Follow up is that the right way of putting it to um, Achtung Cthulhu. Um, mm-hmm. but it's not the kind of following up, obviously, because it's set in the time of the uh, the Roman Empire in about 180 AD. And um yeah, so 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 this is basically taking the Achtum Cthulhu story and the story of the the, the you know the, the outer gods fighting the Atlanteans and the Hyperboreans, this kind of under behind the veil battle for the for the kind of for the universe almost, um, putting it into uh The Roman setting where, you know, you you, you start, the game itself starts on on the frontier with Germany. Uh, So you've got all the usual things that you would have in that kind of historical setting where, you know, you've got the tensions between the empire and the native Germans who are just over the border. Um, They obviously intermingle a lot. There's a lot of sort of cultural interaction, not all of it's positive. And then behind all of this, you've got all the evil stuff going on that begins to bubble up and how it affects that kind of environment, that 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 landscape um, is, is kind of where the game plays in. It's uh, the, the, the starter set. Um, I don't know exactly what's in it, but I think it'll give you the basic rules. It's a 2D20 rule system. It'll give mm-hmm. you a starter scenario with, um, I'm pretty sure it'll have um, pre-gen characters as well. And they are looking to... I think, I think kickstart it, Uh, I should check kickstart or pre-order sometime in the not too distant future. So um, if you like that whole sort of um, Cthulhu world that you come across in Acton Cthulhu, but you love the idea of a sort of Roman setting with it, then uh, this will be the game for you. Now it's coming to Kickstarter. Um, mm. so it'll also be a minis skirmish game that comes with it as well as the role-playing game but I, I don't know so much about the rest of the stuff that's going to be, be coming with it but um, yeah I mean I've been lucky to work on it a little bit I don't think there's nothing specific of mine in the starter set I did do a little bit of uh, ad hoc consultancy for them ooh, quite a while ago 18 months ago on Roman some, history uh, some yeah Roman history and culture so there are some things in the in the work they'd done at that point, which just were wrong, which may
1: be informed um, by you. Now.
0: Which, yeah, so um, so that was great, but that was that was really good because that's kind of gave my foot in the door with Modiphius at mm. all. Um, so I got to do a bit of work on Cahoe Cthulhu. I've done a couple of scenarios, which will be coming out. I think one of them might be involved in the Kickstarter, possibly. Um, yeah, uh, and yeah, I'm quite pleased. There's a couple of. Quite nice stories in there. I'm quite pleased with, Um, so that should be good. And then, obviously, that got my foot in the door with Modiphius to get me working on Dreams and Machines and Dune as well. So that's
1: yes. Now, Dreams and Machines, Dave. I have a bone to pick with you about Dreams Uh, and Machines.
0: Well, yes, I have been these. seeing
1: a whole bunch of internet celebrities of the streaming and podcasting variety showing off on Twitter their marvellous gifts of uh, Dreams and Machines <laughs> pendants. And I'm thinking, where's my pendant,
0: Dave? Where's my pendant? I didn't even know this pendant thing. I what, what, is, what is this pendant... What is it exactly? I know what a pendant. Well, is. Well, you know, there's, there's this
1: symbol about. that's a kind of hexagonal symbol with a kind of arrow shape in it that appears a lot in the graphic design for Dreams of Machines.
0: Okay, yeah. Oh, I see uh, what you yeah.
1: I mean. Yeah. So there's that on the end of a chain you put around your neck. That that sort of pendant. That's what I mean. Oh. And 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 I haven't got one, Dave.
0: I haven't oh, I got one. Ask. You're working I'm on sure. the game.
1: I'm, I'm sure a streamer sent- and I don't have one. What's I'm sure going on?
0: Send us one if I ask. Yeah. Well, well I'll uh, ask him.
1: I mean, obviously they're sending. I mean, I imagine most of these people are going to be appearing on some actual play of Dreams of the Machine shortly, and they're they're sending out these pendants to tease uh, that. But um, but one of them is a friend of the show, I think. Um, um, B Dave, B Dave, whose uh, name I've just surname. His surname you can't
0: remember. Oh, yeah. So, here. so oh uh, god. It's it's
1: B. not waters waters is it is it damn it i'm gonna to have to look it up on twitter now so i can remember who he is anyway what i'm saying is you know these are these are streamers walters. with possibly more of a reputation than we have be
0: dave walters
1: it is waters it is waters yeah
0: yeah well done for remembering him well done mate
1: yeah so yeah. um
0: so yeah i mean, the modifics i don't know what the plans are for streaming um or, or or actual play, you know, live actual plays. But what they have been doing is putting out. They they did some recorded, um, sort of radio play, mini mini radio plays. Um, mm. They did five. They did five episodes. Each was a only about three and a half minutes long, and it was telling the story of this group of, um, well, it was a mixed group of people. But some of them were grabbers, and grabbers are are people in in the, the dreams and machines world who go out looking for stuff. They're like looters. Or, scavengers, um, scavengers, and they'll often mm. go out to order. So you know, somebody will say, "I need this," and I'll pay you if you go and get it. And they go out into the dangerous world and find it. Um, mm. And it was telling the story of, of, of some of those. I think with their uh, their kind of patron with them, uh, um, an archivist. And the archivist, there's a big backstory to the archivists, but they are kind of the the groups that try are trying the hardest to bring the world of dreams and machines back online. And, and mm. get things working again, and so they will pick a let's say for example a, a water production plant, and they will kind of you know focus all their effort on getting that up and running again and in doing that you then get a community begins to build around these locations um where the archivists have created their their tower and and created some kind of utility. but anyway, I think one of them is an archivist, and they're going off to try and find something and it's a say it's five short radio plays which tell the story of these, I think there are four people in it. And that's all building up to the starter set, which is uh, available now. Um, And there's a scenario in the starter set, which I think isn't. So there's a quick start and a starter set. Let's get that right. So the quick starts come out with a, an introductory scenario that's not connected to that little story. But then the starter set, I think picks up, the story picks up from where the radio plays end. And then that is your, Introduction into that into that starter set scenario.
1: Mm, um, I see,
0: and I think the starter set is currently up on Kickstarter. Uh, let me just check that. It's certainly up. It might be might be a um it might be a pre order rather than. Let me just have a look. So um. Oh, yeah. So you can just buy you can just buy the starter set at the moment from the from, from the Modiphius website. So, uh... so it
1: strikes me, uh, in particularly in, in relation to another bit of news, which I'll I'll throw in here, which is that Chaosium are about to kickstart an actual play, a sequel to their Bookshops yeah. of Arkham actual play called Graveyards of Arkham. Um, I think its holding page is. Um, is on Kickstarter already. We'll put a link in the show notes, but it hasn't gone live yet. Uh, and, and it strikes me that gaming companies, particularly these mid-level gaming companies, are looking at what Critical Role has done for and everything else has done for D&D and thinking, we, you know, we're going to have to actually put marketing money into this online listing, podcasting effectively for, for what you're describing there. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. sure there's a forthcoming actual play as well with all these streamers joining in and 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 this one from call of cthulhu where you know actually they're turning this into you know they're supporting uh live actual play as a as a product as a paid for product that you know people are going to be subsidizing um but i think they're really realizing the importance of getting the brand out there for each of their individual games and getting play out there and getting people interested in watching maybe even before playing um
0: yeah, I think it's a it's a part of the world now, isn't it? If you if you're not on hmm. well, I was going to say Twitter, but if you're not on Threads or TikTok or you know YouTube <laughs> yeah. or whatever, then you know you're not anywhere, are you? So you're really missing out on um, you know, uh, you know, that opportunity. It's quite interesting. I mean, I've been sort of keeping an eye on the, the Dreams of Machines um, mar- marketing campaign. And I'm not mm-hmm. on Twitter and I'm not on threads or any of that, so I don't know what's going on, on there, but um just to get a sense of how how it's working and how it's building up to to the big launch which is which is happening at Gen Con officially. Um I don't know, I just I guess the question in my head in my mind is is how do you generate the heat that you want yeah. around your around your IP, around your new product. <laughs> um
1: Yes, and, and how can I, yeah, we replicate I, I, that when we do tales exactly.
0: of the old west? Is that what you Exactly. precisely. Well, of course, yeah, precisely. Um, and I'm, you know, I just because I get no insight into the actual sale, so I don't know how well the starter set is selling. Um, it just it doesn't feel like there's a lot of heat about dreams and machines yet. If you get me, no, um, no. They did they did do a, a video which is quite good. I, I, I watched I watched some of that. It was about fifty minutes long, um, and I'm in it. So they they basically interviewed all the all the writers um, who have been putting together some of the, the world setting and the the law and the history in the background, and um, to talk about the particular factions that they were working on. So you've got all the writers actually like as talking heads, and it works quite well. Mm-hmm. It works quite nicely. Um, were you on that? But again, I am. Yeah, I am on that. Cool. We'll put uh, a link in the
1: show notes if you send it yeah,
0: to me. I'll find it. Yeah, and. Um, but again, I don't. I, I could have a look, but I, don't, but I don't know how widely that is getting, you know, um, distributed or how widely seen it, uh, it is. But I'll, I'll have mm. a little look. Um,
1: well, I'll tell you what, I just wonder whether we should be moving on here. I notice we're at 30 minutes in uh, and uh, we've still got half a world of gaming to talk about. Um, so carrying on the Chaosium theme, the other thing that is out in print everywhere around the world, except yours and my native country, Dave. And that is the new Pendragon starter set.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, We love Pendragon, don't we? Or we have loved Pendragon.
0: Um, We have loved Pendragon very much.
1: So when it comes out in print, will you be getting the starter set just for nostalgia's sake?
0: Well, I need need to know more about it because is it, is this new version going to be changing the kind of the philosophy of the rules and stuff or you know, in any, in any great way? Because the I imagine I, not the a I great
1: would... way, because I think it is universally acknowledged that Pendragon is potentially the very best iteration of basic role playing ever. So I can't imagine they're going to fix what ain't broke.
0: Because I, you know, I, I would be, I would be less inclined or less interested to get it if the rule system had changed particularly. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've got all the old books, on only on PDF because I, I actually bought the books late. but
1: um, Yeah, we, we I, relied on our, our friend Andy um, running the game yeah, to absolutely. have all the rules.
0: Um, but yeah, so my, my default would be yes, I definitely want to get this. But if they've changed the rules significantly, then I probably won't. Yeah um, I, I don't I imagine there's going to be a then significant change I, I, I will change. yeah a bit of tidying
1: um, up possibly a bit less sexism than when we played where there were very <laughs> few things that female characters could do i imagine you yeah. can probably I be mean, a female knight
0: nowadays it's yeah i mean it's interesting isn't it i mean it's it's a, it's a challenge to a historical game oh, okay i mean it's it's king arthur so it's not strictly historical. historical but it's <laughs> but it's trying but it is trying to recreate the dark ages as a as a as a, as a, as a time as a as an era of history
1: oh um, i don't know whether it's so much that it, it's trying to know. recreate Maybe, some sort of fantasy fantasy 15th now that's, century that's dark terrible. ages
0: so i think i think in my head it's trying to recreate that dark ages thing because i'm yeah and in our campaign
1: we were very much dark ages
0: in, yeah yeah but i think you're absolutely right you you know the game itself isn't trying to recreate that because um, it's something that I've been thinking about with uh, you know, Rome Year Zero, because I want it mm. to be a historical game. You know, in, in the game, when I do it, you're not going to have female senators because you didn't have female senators. But I want to have a, a, a way that you can have women playing well, female characters playing in the game you know, alongside the male characters just as effectively and powerfully. And yeah
1: I thought Rome the um short lived BBC uh, HBO TV series did quite a good job of that actually
0: well I think you know the the history is is packed full of powerful women mm. and yeah a lot of you know the the old the old phrase that you know behind every great man there's a greater woman is 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 so true in roman times now yeah. i mean in roman times there were obviously enormous enormous um discrepancies and, you know, legally, you know, the, the reality was that, you know, a, a woman would either be effectively the property of a father or the property of her husband when she was, you know, married off. And in theory, that paterfamilias, the head of the family, could do what he liked with them if they transgress what they felt to be, you know, the rules that they, they wanted to impose. So they could be, in theory, murdered. By their father or their husband, without any, or beaten up or anything, without any, you know, comeback because that was entirely legal. The reality is that you know men who beat their wives were were roundly turned upon, often, maybe not always, but often, certainly in higher, you know, the higher society, in more noble ranks, um, and that would then damage their dignitas and their autoritas, which are two things that a Roman. Would be would, would potentially you know a, a, a noble mm. Roman would potentially die for, so it, it's it's a lot more, uh, you know, it's a lot more complicated than that. Although it, it does make it a tricky period to manage, and manage in a way that's sensitive and effective and still makes the game fun for any and everybody who wants to play it. It's, mm. um, I think it's do. I don't think it's not doable. I think it's entirely doable. It just you need to be a bit careful about making getting it right. I mean, I I love the idea of doing a campaign of all female characters who are basically running the world, but behind the scenes, mm. yeah, and they are and they are influencing their men or the men around them. And I love the idea of that, and I, you know that's something I'm going to want to put into into the game as you know, as a, a style of play. And I think that's really interesting because you can't just take your sword and kill someone in that sense. You have yeah. to do it through intrigue and manipulation and. All those other things there, which make make for great role playing.
1: There might be a whole game there. You could build your first iteration yeah. of Rome Year Zero as, for want of a better word, matriarch, and you know, and that is everybody plays a female in a Roman noble family, and yeah. uh, you know, and having to work through through all the channels that they use. That could be a, a fun game in well, its own right.
0: And it's interesting because there'll be a very, very potentially very. Um, careful line to walk because hmm. you know as as playing one of these characters you don't want to overstep the mark and then have your husband get fed up with you and just divorce you yeah uh, and then you get kicked out of the house you might get your dowry back but you know that might not be very much money um hmm. and that yeah that, that could work really well hmm Mm,
1: something to think on. This is what our privileged <laughs> yeah. patrons pay for. Whether this gets into the final cut or not, uh, this is what you get when you when you when you're a privileged patron. This sort of conversation. Uh, <laughs> everybody else might get it too. Uh,
0: so I'm awesome. I'm moving it's on. An interesting Dave? conversation. I think it should probably stay in.
1: Yeah. Okay. We'll
0: we'll keep it in then. Everybody
1: gets to hear that. <laughs> uh, so, ad- Adventure Time RPG.
0: I know nothing about this. Tell me about it. You, I'm going to gasp and um and sound surprised. And that's surprise,
1: okay. So, Adventure Time RPG. Advent, do you know Adventure Time? No. The, right. Okay. There we go. Um, my son has just binge watched with his friends Adventure Time all the way through when he should have been revising for his A levels. There we go. <laughs> Never mind. Um and it Tom, is a doing, cartoon that you can definitely see the influence of the creators having played D D in it um uh i won't go into it. it it's fun watch it if you want to or not they all live in the mm-hmm. land of oo um there are adventures there's a dog that changes shape there's uh, no, a princess. I. I. Yeah. It. It's fun. It's uh, uh, funny. Okay. Um, the Adventure Time RPG. You might therefore expect to actually be a f- fifth edition D and D take, given that there's so many D and D reference in it. But they're right. they're going with something called the Yes and system, where you've got one dice that says Yes No. I think, um, and another dice that says And or. Or, or something else um okay. and every time you make a decision you roll those dice and obviously that determines whether you succeed or not and whether other stuff happens oh, okay. uh, as well or instead um it looks like it's meant to be that's, that's quite an interesting idea
0: actually I, when i when i yeah. first saw your notes about it i thought the yes and system thought okay what is it what the hell is that going to be about but actually, certainly, is it? Does it? Is it trying to be a more narrative style game? This one? Yes, or is absolutely. It? I yeah. think yes, because that um, feels like it would work really well for a narrative style game. Uh, well, I like the sound of that.
1: Yeah. So, it's in, uh, and we're ahead of the game here. This is yet another thing that there is a Kickstarter holding page for, but Kickstarter hasn't started yet. I imagine, given the cultural influence that this uh, TV show has on my son's generation. Um, mm-hmm. that this will be a big seller.
0: Yeah. Um, uh,
1: uh, I don't have you... I don't know that my son would get it, but um but I think there'll be lots no. of people in this generation who do.
0: Talking of, well, of you... games for the next generation, have you heard any reflections on the Avatar role playing game in terms of how good it is? Because I I haven't really. Um... And so
1: I have heard some criticism, and we should talk with our patron, Thomas, who I think has actually played it through. I think it falls into the trap that many PBTA games fall into, Powered by the Apocalypse games, I should Mm -hmm. say, fall into. Powered by the Apocalypse is a really simple system, but when you have a massively successful Kickstarter, I feel you think you've got to add pages to the book.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Uh, and and every more complex version of P.D.T.A. that I've seen adds a whole bunch of words and sort of obscures the beautiful simplicity of "Powered by the Apocalypse" and, and makes it shit. Yeah.
0: Okay. And I
1: fear that that may be the uh, a generalization of the reaction to the Avatar: role playing game.
0: Right. 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 Okay okay um, interesting i just thought because you know talking of, yeah because that how was a big successful it was because of yeah because of where it where it hit the market as it were um yes and it's i don't like know it if it's out marketing. on the high street yet
1: and it might and this might be the reaction only from jaded old um kickstarter backers but uh,
0: uh i need to speak uh, to uh so i'm not sure yeah i mean morgan backed it my son and i'm not sure if he's yep. had it yet um I know my nephew. You may not have PDF. had it physically.
1: Um, we may be talking about PDFs. PDF, so, yeah. I think. I think there have been some physical stuff out as well, actually.
0: I um, I was under the impression that physical stuff had come out. I'll have, I'll, have, hmm. I'll have a chat with him next time I next time I talk to him. Yeah. Cool. Cool. What else have we got in the world of gaming then? Because we are banging on a bit today.
1: We are. Yeah. You keep talking about stuff. Oh, I see you sent me a link for Dreams and Machines. We'll share that. Um, yeah. Where are we? Adventure time. Oh, Gangs, Gangs of Cahabro. Oh. So Gangs okay. of Cahabro is the brainchild of Daniel D. Fox, who created the Spyhander um, uh, Warhammer fantasy roleplay OG version That's uh, that's been incredibly popular recently. And this is his first Year Zero game. And he actually contacted us wanting a little bit of help with... Um, with year zero dice mechanics, and um, I don't think we ever made that happen. Actually, I, I put him on to you, knowing you needed the work more desperately
0: than me. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we, but- we yeah we, we we did have a meeting arranged, and then uh, he cancelled that at the last minute with some other commitment, mm. and then we never just got round to rearranging it. <clears throat> so um, no, unfortunately, didn't have the chance to chat to him, which would have been very nice. Would have been would have been a pleasure.
1: And it is set in the. Enigmatic, labyrinthine city of Cahabro, providing an enthralling backdrop for players to explore. The game's narrative combines the theatricality of the cult classic film The Warriors, the soapy betrayals of the hit TV show The Sopranos, and a gritty fantasy urban setting in Cahabro. Um, I'm just reading that off the um off the, uh, uh, off the Reddit, actually,
0: which is the um, so first is it this, popped up. Is this up for Kickstarter at the moment, then?
1: It's, well, at the moment, it is out in a playtest version. I'm sure at some point it will be right. kickstarted or otherwise funded. But you can download a free, I believe, playtest, which um, we haven't done, I guess, because we're just up to here with games. But perhaps we ought to <laughs> download it. Um, and... But Daniel says the Year Zero engine has electrified our home game table and we've begun to switch away our weekly games from Sveihando RPG over to the D6 system. The one standout was Alien RPG, which hit the right notes with our home group. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of why he's doing it in Year Zero. Yeah. Okay,
0: cool. So, what um, else do we have for the world of gaming? Do we have it? Oh, and just news?
1: finally, l- a last bit of news, Justin. I only spotted this morning that Eric Granstrom, the uh, setting writer behind um, uh, Forbidden Lands, Forbidden Lands, has just put a blog post out with all the sexy bits that he wasn't allowed to put into the Blood March in it. So, I'll put a link to that <laughs> in
0: the show notes. Have it. you um, had a look at it? What what what's he? Uh, what what was forced to, to hit the, so the, we, the um, floor?
1: Uh, so one of the one of the adventure sites had a couple of kind of um, events in it relating to um, oh what do you call it uh, in 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 modern Europe you call it droit à seigneur you know the um, the lord getting to shag the um, the bride before the husband
0: oh, primogeni- primogeniture no, that? no
1: primogeniture is the firstborn son I think it's droit <clears throat> uh, it's the right of the right of the lord or something in. Okay. I mean, anyway, so there's a that being one of the problems that the the players would have to deal with. Obviously, not everybody necessarily wanting it to happen, and them having to find a way <coughs> it or something. Um, okay. and and some other stuff, mildly sexy stuff, but nothing too offensive, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I think potentially too offensive for the international audience, according to the guys at uh, Free League. So.
0: Is that was is that the implication here that this is stuff that they they felt yeah, was just yeah. a bit too risque, rather than there's too much stuff and we have to cut it for well brevity's sake. So.
1: Knowing, knowing their struggles with word count, I'm sure both of those played a factor. Probably, I yeah. Think, yeah, I think um, I I think they probably said uh, it's all good nature. It's not saying oh those bastards wouldn't let me to put I put my porn into my that game. That
0: would be the case at uh, all. Yeah.
1: But, uh, but he just thought he'd share it as a few little paragraphs that were were, mm-hmm. were chopped out of the book.
0: Yeah, um, cool. I guess people can then decide whether they want to incorporate that back into their stories or not. Exactly,
1: which is why I thought yeah. we'd share it here on the uh, on cool. the podcast, especially for Year Zero players. Yeah, mm, right. Good thinking, talking about especially for Year Zero players. Uh, let's talk about just writing role playing games in general. Now, shall we, Dave?
0: Yep, I'm ready when you are.
1: Let's have a listen to what you've got to say.
0: It's a pretty odd feeling, I find, that here I am offering hints and tips on writing to other people. Who? Me? There are many better, more imaginative, wider vocabularians, better structured, more interesting writers and designers out there than me. And there's definitely a huge dose of imposter syndrome going on. But, for better or worse, the stuff I've been writing in recent years seems to have been well received, on the whole. And I do have a lot of experience over the years of writing and GMing games that, again, seem to have gone down pretty well, on the whole. But that's no different for most of you. So why do I get to lecture you about it? Because I'm great, more <laughs> Well, actually, no, on the whole. I think it comes down to the fact there's no right or wrong answer to the question and the range of experiences and voices that are out there and that each have their own story to tell and perspective to relate. So here's mine. It's necessarily brief and picks out only a few thoughts but take from it what you will and discard that which you don't think works for you. I'm going to categorize my points under three headings. Ideas, stories and new worlds making a game for others to play, and the mechanics of writing a game for publication. But let's start with two quick questions to set the context of the conversation. First is, what are you writing? Scenarios? Campaigns? History, law and world building? Or a complete game system? And second, for what purpose? Fun? Home games? Convention games? Or to publish? It's worth keeping your answers to these questions in mind while we're talking about this. Ideas, stories and new worlds. Tip 1. Write about what interests and excites you. I mean, it's obvious really. If you're excited about an idea, a setting, a character or a theme, your writing will inevitably be the better for it. Tip 2. Invest time to think up ideas. I find quiet time is really important to let my mind wander and daydream. I also use music playlists to help get me in the mood. My current go-tos are Legends of the Fall, The Straight Story, The Green Mile, Lord of the Rings, Gladiator, those kind of things. But then when you have a basis for an idea, but it feels underdeveloped, just start writing it. For me, I get many of my best ideas from writing up an original thought that then snowballs as I write. Tip three, map work. I get loads of ideas by putting together a map of the local area, the location, the world, and so on. Make maps that ask questions. Why is that canyon there? Who lives on that mountain? What creatures live in that wasteland? How has the land changed? In every location on a map, I jot down a really brief story idea or two. Even if they seem unoriginal or a bit boring, Just putting them down on paper helps bring them to life. I can always discard them later if they don't develop into anything more fun. Then imagine yourself in that map, walking that world. Ask yourself, how does it look? What's interesting and exciting about it? How do the people exist there? What is life like? The craft of making a game for others to play. Tip 4. Playability and player experience. This is a really important one for me, and some of these points can actually be full tips in themselves. First, plot consistency. This definitely could be a tip in itself. Try not to make the mistake many modern TV series and movies make. That of placing a splashy scene ahead of plot consistency. For me this is super important. You need motivational hooks that really grab your players. Getting your players invested in the story as well as invested in their player characters is super important in building a powerful gaming experience. Make sure the players take ownership of the world or something in it, planets and colonies in building better worlds, strongholds in forbidden lands and so on. It really gives them something to care about other than just bashing the next monster. Make your non-player characters real with wants, desires, fears and motivations. The big example of this for me is this. Would they fight to the death? Many games see bad guys and monsters. Once a fight starts, keep going until they're dead, regardless of how important, or actually unimportant, that fight really is at that point. How many of you would fight to the death in any or every fight you got into? Neither would I. And neither should your NPCs. Make conundrums for your players to grapple with, not just puzzles but moral choices where there's no obvious right answer. Offer conflict situations with a variety of resolutions rather than just shooting the bad guy. In this way the players can grapple with the options and choose a way that suits them, enables them to be creative with how they play the game. And little details of the world add a lot of colour and immersion. For example, a saying in a strange language, a specific religious ritual, or way in which locals greet each other, the styles and colors of clothing, the impact of local weather, and so on, can really build the immersion for your players. Tip five, innovate. Use existing rules in new and exciting ways. Tweak rules that enhance the player experience or write new rules entirely. There are loads of examples from this podcast of doing just that. From new talents, to salvage in Coriolis, to android crits, compression suits and pups in Alien, and many more besides. Tip six. Sandboxes for the win. If you can give the players a place to explore and have adventures in, rather than a storyline to follow that charts just one route through that place, then your players are gonna have a better time at the table. Tip seven. How to avoid the appearance of railroading Sometimes, especially in a short scenario or particularly a convention game, railroading has to happen. You have to get from A to C in a set time. But you can mitigate that a bit, or at least hide the rails. So for example, if you have a scene that the players need to reach, breaking in to kill a big bad, say, give them the options over how to get in and how to manage the attack. Or provide a wider stage for the event to play out across, like the palace where the Big Bad lives, with more to it than just guards to grind through. Tip 8. Rules. Now I really have to rein myself in here, as this is an enormous topic, but I've got a couple of general thoughts. If you're creating a new system, think about the philosophy of and the principles behind the game you want to create. Rules Light. Narrative, rules heavy, what is the USP, how should that be reflected in the rule system, and so on. Also think about how the rules highlight and enhance the identity of the game. Free League games are a great example. And then playtest. Playtest, 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 playtest. I think we found, particularly with Tales of the Old West, that playtesting is very, very valuable. The mechanics of writing a game for publication. Tip 9. The 80-20 rule. Good enough is usually good enough. I have wasted a lot of time polishing things that were probably good enough anyway. Especially important if you're getting paid by the word. Tip 10. Word counts matter. If you're working to a word count, then make a plan. Budget the words for each part of the story and track it as you write. If you're going over your word count and you can't avoid it, or well, the story is so much better for the extra words, talk to your publisher, your company, your editor as soon as you can and negotiate why those extra words are worth the space in the book and the extra cost. Now here I'm going to demonstrate that my math is probably worse than my ability to write because out of 10 tips, here comes number 11. Formats matter, M dashes, N dashes, Oxford commas, colons, semicolons, text spacing, and so on. Make sure you know what these are and how they should be used. I'm a great fan of the colon that semicolon combo, but I'm finding that most publishers aren't. So the m dash and I have recently become fast friends. US formatting and US English is very common, and in my limited experience, is the standard. I know this might upset many people but I've taken to writing and spelling in general in U.S. English, simply to get in the habit for my writing. Ask for, no, don't ask for, demand and follow style guides from any company you're working with. I've found that game lines within the same company can have differences in their style guides and giving your publisher a piece of work that needs little or no reformatting is a huge plus for them and for you especially if you want repeat work. So getting a style guide and following it is really, really important. And in general, keep blocks of text small where you can. Use subheaders. Sidebars and box text are your friends. Tip 12, less is nearly always more. Be concise, choose deliberately when to invest a few more words in a particular passage or sentence. When editing your own work, start by taking out one in every 10 words. Just do that. Many years ago, I read a book by Stephen King on writing, and the biggest tip I took from it was this one. Your work will always be better once you've done it. Tip 13, the final point for today. Sacrifice your sacred cows if you have to. An idea or a scene might be the best one you've ever conjured and you can't wait to get it on paper and see your players wow with wonder going through it. But if it doesn't quite work in this story, be ruthless and get it on the cutting floor now. You can always save it for later in a story where it will really work. Well, I hope you found this interesting and useful. I'd love to hear your thoughts and top tips too. The one thing with this job, this profession, this hobby, is that you never stop learning. I, for one, hope to keep on improving until the day I stop writing RPG stuff, which will probably be never. So
1: obviously the first thing I have to say is, you know, you write this as a whole. When you go over 10 top tips, you can change the title. You don't need to still call it 10 <laughs> top tips.
0: That is true. That is true. Um, Yeah. Well, I think, you know, yeah. Okay, I, I'm not sure I can say anything about that. Point taken. But, <laughs> well, you know, and to
1: be honest, there's not much I can say. There's, I can't, I can't speak controversially ag- against any of these points.
0: And I because, know how you like to speak controversially, don't you? No, well, exactly. You do look, I do like.
1: I like do like to look point for out that where you're wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, I I, 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 do look for those opportunities. I really do, and I've really looked at this one. And fuck you, mate. I can't find anything. I can slag you off. <laughs> Well, I mean it's
0: it's funny it's funny because I mean it, it does feel to me a little bit like stating the bleeding obvious with a lot of this stuff um you know as I said in the piece yeah there is definitely a, a a big chunk of imposter syndrome imposter syndrome going on here um mm-hmm. where I kind of there's, in the back of my head you know there's a voice saying everyone's gonna be just listening to this saying well of course it is tell me something I don't know <laughs> you know but um people in the seminar. Seem to uh, seem to get you know get behind the ideas. So uh, hopefully people yeah. found it useful in some way, or at least interesting, and, if not. Useful. And I do
1: think uh, your point about maps is really interesting because um, I'm a, I'm weirdly jealous of you because I'm an actual trained Ooh. artist uh, and you're not, um, but you do do a nice map. I mean, you know, I wouldn't hire you to be a cartographer in my fancy new role playing game, but you do you do maps of shall we say gm quality that i really admire and mine are never it's as okay. good as that um so i do uh,
0: I, mean, I mean i do use making maps as i said in the thing as as quite an important part of helping the story along
1: yeah and um, i wish and I, I could as well but i get yeah. bogged down in 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 producing a map that's nowhere near as good as I, what i want it to be in my head and then yeah. you know, try and make it better and better and i can't and i i have gone backwards actually and i now churn out maps that are just shit sketches
0: generally but i do think <laughs> well, though, though I do sometimes think... that really works so actually yeah. sometimes all you need is a very rough sketch
1: yeah you know, no I, I i guess yeah you're I mean... right you know just to kind of put some thoughts in order sometimes um and in fact one of the things i have done in the past is create conceptual maps which aren't yeah. necessarily physical maps but rather Oh, this place links to this place because of this clue or something like that. Yes, um, yeah. I, so there's a I, couple, I of, couple
0: like that. Yeah, and I think that can really work. So a couple of things in um, in in Dune, in working for Dune, they um they use like zone maps. Mm-hmm. So in one of in one of the scenarios I was using as a kind of guide for the one of the scenarios I was working on, um, you uh, part of the adventure takes you to the the residence on Arrakis. And that's basically just done in zones. And yeah. when I first saw it and I first glanced at it, I thought, okay, mm, you know, I'd probably prefer a map, but yeah, I can go with this. But then in using that as a, as a template in the scenarios I was writing, actually it works really well because the residence in Arrakis is going to be pretty big. And if you mm. did a map for the whole thing, it would be a pretty big, complicated map and you'd need probably quite a lot of text yeah. to explain what's going on. Whereas with a zone... You just say, this kind of stuff is here. These kind of people are here. GM, go and do what you like with it. And I think that yes. can work really, really, really nicely.
1: Yeah, no, actually, that and that is what I sort of default to because I'm yeah. too crap at making maps. So you're quite good at actually you know, making little plans and stuff like that. But, mm. um, <laughs> the, the other thing, the other sure. thing
0: would, just, just let me finish. The other thing, just a bit of self-promotion and patting myself on the back here. I did get a bit of feedback from uh, one of the guys I work with in Modifius who called my map work stellar
1: well yeah yeah and I, I was mean. just like exactly wow
0: wow, no, no that is cool you know um i was very pleased with that that was
1: yeah as i say i wouldn't get you yeah. to do the finished maps but by god no put absolutely so much not, no. To them. yeah 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 um yeah i mean obviously i that...
0: couldn't my art well, yeah sorry go on <clears throat> yeah,
1: i i disagree with you on music but that's only me When I I need noise going on, I need, and weirdly, I need conversation going on to help me concentrate. So I need to have Radio Four in the background or YouTube on, you know, on sort of, you know, on loop as it were, or on. um,
0: I I I I find that disturbs me if I've got if there if there's if there's voices if there's information being imparted, then a bit of too much of my brain goes, oh, that's interesting, and I get diverted. Whereas with the music, it's just there in the background.
1: Yeah, I think I'm allowed to, I think what this does for me is it kind of works as a bit of a, what do they call that thing, Pomodoro timing, in that I will let it phase out, then something will interest me, I'll concentrate on that for a bit, and then I'll go back and let that phase out. Yeah. Um, but I just, I find conversation more important to me than music, to do that sort of background stuff. Music, okay. i more actively listen to. Um, yeah. Okay. I can't. I can't um, have music on in the background. I kind of go. Oh yeah. No, this is a great track. Let's sit back. Yeah. This. Uh, so it, was, it, was, that, it was. It was interesting at I'm the seminar. A there, not you. <laughs>
0: uh, well, I think it's horses, of course. This isn't it. I mean, mm. I at the seminar after we finished. Um, this this a gentleman came up and was chatting to me. A couple of guys, and I don't remember his name sadly. I do apologise. But he was saying that he's um, uh, got ADHD and has a little bit of uh, autism. And he was mm. saying, your point about music is just so spot on for me, because, mm. you know, he really needs that to help channel his concentration. And yeah. uh, we had a really nice conversation about what music, you know, we, we preferred to, to listen to. But it was lovely that, you know, that, you know, it, 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 it's not something that is just odd to me, but others, yeah. you know, a lot of other people now, have the same I think a lot of people do music. A lot of people do music. Yeah. My
1: wife thinks I'm very strange having noise on while I'm working. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas I will yeah, use sure. music as a... Uh, I'll use the lyrics of a song, potentially, as as the inspiration
0: for an adventure. Um, I have done that before, that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've done that yeah.
1: more than once. Well,
0: the yeah. other thing I do, which actually I haven't mentioned on any of these, is um, quotations. So when mm. I'm starting a scenario, I will search for an apt quotation to kick off... Yeah, to, to put it at the beginning yeah. of the scenario. And I can spend hours trying to find the right quotation before I even start working on the game. And sometimes I think, I oh, I'll just get on with writing the bloody game, you idiot. What are you waiting for? But actually, the right quotation, I find really inspirational in terms of getting the game, the feel of the game right, or the story right. Yeah. So I do, See, I, I do would a lot mean, of that. That
1: would been something original. That would be the 14th rule that you should have put on there. And that yeah. would at least have been something that wasn't bloody obvious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> True. Sorry for being obvious. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, actually, it's okay. I'm not. We've
1: well, we reached the point where we're just lagging you off for no reason yeah. at all. So um, I That's reckon we time. should probably bring this programme to a close. I um, think so too. I just want to ask you, what are we doing next uh, Next in two weeks' time?
0: So two weeks' time, if we can arrange it, we will be talking to a friend of the show and friend of ours, Dave Whitworth, and a, a colleague of his, Tom Muir about their new um, Year Zero expansion that they're, they're working on, called Modern Versen. Bringing oh. the world of Versen into the, the modern day age. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, if, as long as we can arrange a time, which there's no good reason why we couldn't, um, we'll be talking to Dave and Tom about that next time. Brilliant brilliant and at some point
1: we ought to i guess talk to daniel fox about the gangs of caro as well yeah absolutely But that'll be in a few weeks time nearer whenever their kickstarter goes off
0: yeah indeed brilliant okay then good stuff
1: so until then it's goodbye from me
0: and it's goodbye from him and may the icons bless your adventures you have been listening to the effect podcast presented by fiction suit and the rpg gods Music stars on a black sea used with permission of Free League Publishing.